You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Okay, listen, please commit to this sermon series, all right? We had a blast this summer with Blockbuster. And if you missed any of those sermons, you missed some good sermons. And so I, I encourage you to go back and listen to them online. But this one is one that is going to be pivotal to your future and the way you walk with Christ. Because there are so many of us, listen, so many of us, and some of us sitting here today, that our walk with Christ, our relationship with him, it's lost the fervor. It's lost the excitement. It's lost the enthusiasm. It's become clinical, some would say. It's become educational it's become elementary but it's got to be about more than just what you know it's got to be about what you believe okay so let's start with some scripture on trust and this is in the book of psalm chapter 52 and uh it says look what happens to mighty warriors who do not trust in god they trust their wealth instead and grow more and more bold in their weakness wickedness look at this But I am like an olive tree, thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will trust in your good name and the presence of your faithful people. And as I read the last part of that, you know, not that first part that's talking about people who trust in the wrong things, but I read about that guy that is trusting in God. You know, that's that's what I want for you. You see that word thriving right there? Thriving. Yeah, God wants you to thrive. I want you to thrive in, in your relationship with him. And, and, and for this to not be something that, you know, it feels pretty good while I'm here. You know, we create a good worship service, you know, and everything feels good. You know, you ever heard somebody say that Sunday mornings are like a fill-up? You know, you come get your tank full so you make it through the week. <laughs> no, that's not the way Jesus designed your life. He doesn't want you to just, you know, kind of coast. One time I ran out of gas. I don't know if this ever happened to any of y'all. I ran out of gas, but I was almost at the service station. And thankfully, it was downhill. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and, you know, it died, but I just threw it up in neutral, and I just, I coasted right up to the gas tank. I was so embarrassed because when I got out, the guy, there was a guy standing there, he said, barely made it, huh? <laughs> I was like, yeah, barely made it. And that's the way a lot of Christians are living their lives. Saturday night, they're struggling, just waiting to get there on Sunday morning to get another fill up. That's not what this is. God, Jesus didn't die so that you could get filled up on Sunday. He died so you could be full on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We all come back together on Sunday. And it's not about trying to get ourselves back up. But it's about going together and thriving like this in a fellow love and trusting your good name in the presence of your faithful people. That's what this is about. And that's what I want for you. But here's the question. What do we trust in? What do we trust in? What, what, is, what is our trust? What have we put it in? I mean, what is it that we're trusting in all week long? Like, you know, like the guys, you know, that are trusting in their, in their strength or their, their finances or those kinds of things. There are problems that money, titles, and talents cannot fix. You might not know that yet. You might be so smart, and you might be so capable, you might be so rich that you've not found a problem yet you couldn't fix. But there's coming a problem in your life that none of those things will fix. You might have been always able to just just say, hey, do you know who I am? And your title mattered to people. 
But there's coming a problem in your life that none of that, no matter how capable you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how wise you are, no matter how many titles you've got, how many letters you've got after the end of your name, there's coming a a day that you're going to have a problem that none of that can fix. And so unless your trust is in God, you don't have any hope in that problem. And I don't want any of you to be in that place. I want you to have the, the trust so that when that problem comes, you know, I, I, like, I like that story, you know, it just came to my mind there at the end of Acts. Y'all, y'all ever heard this story about, about Paul where he was going to try to make the fire a little hotter? You know, that they had a fire and they were all trying to warm up, but it was kind of dwindling down. So he reached over and he grabbed some sticks and he threw them on the fire, you know, to, to make it go again. But when he did, he had a, he had a viper latch onto his hand. A poisonous snake latched onto his hand. And you you know what the scripture said he did? It said he just shook it off into the fire. You know, that's the way I want you guys to be. I want you to be so focused and trusting in God that when something tries to attach itself to you, you say, oh, that can't bother me. And that's what Paul did because God had already told him, you are going to go here. And he said, well, you know, I'm not there yet, so that means this snake can't bother me. And so I just shake it off into the fire. That's what happens when you've got this kind of trust. So I I want you to have that. I want you to live in that. But I think so many, so many of us, so many of us have just come to a one hour a week relationship with Jesus. Oh yeah, we, we believe in him all week long, but, but what does it really prove? Please connect with this sermon series. Follow it out with me. Okay. This was going to be so important to you. And I want to say something right here. Um, some of y'all have a dog, right? You ever do something or say something, dog, or whistle in a, a weird way that he's never heard before, you know? And, and, and what does the dog do? Cock its head, right? You know, just like, what's that? You know, this may be one of those things where you cock your head at me, okay? I, I hope it is. I, I, I really hope it just challenges a little bit, is that believing is greater than knowing. All right? Now, I believe that even a lot of Christians will not agree with, with this statement right here, but believing is greater than knowing. What you believe is greater than what you know, all right? Uh, I really hope you don't agree with me yet, but that you're going to in just a moment when you understand where I'm going with this. Okay, let me give you some stories out of the, out of the New Testament. These are all in the life of Jesus. This is Luke chapter 7. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to a village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate, and the young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. All right, sounds awesome, right? I got to point something out to you. That didn't happen at the temple. It didn't happen at church. It didn't happen at 9 o'clock or 1030 on a Sunday morning. It didn't happen. It happened in the street. Most of the miracles Jesus performed were not done at the temple. They were done in people's normal everyday lives. And and that's what I'm trying to tell you guys is we don't just have a God for an hour and 15 minutes. We have a God that can work miracles all week long in our lives if we can can get our faith out of this classroom into that 167 hours after we say amen here in just a little bit. But let me ask you this question. What did this woman know? Okay? She was a widow. So she already felt a little bit alone, right? She knew she was alone. But, but her hope was, you know, that her son was going to grow up and was going to have some kind of industry about him, and he was going to be able to take care of her. But now he's gone. 
She's even more alone. And so she's going to be alone the rest of her life. She had hopes of being a grandmother one day. But guess what? Those hopes are gone. That was her only son. She had hopes of being taken care of. And, and now I, I, know, I know how they did things back in those days. Someone in the family would have to take care of her. It was something they had to do. That didn't mean she was going to be taken care of in a good way. So this is, this is what she knew. And she knew that in some ways she knew that she knew nothing. Or she knew that things were never going to be the same. She lost her joy, her only son. You know, and, and I, I really don't want to... S- ask you to think about this you know uh, you know I almost want to say think about losing your child in death and I don't know I don't want to think about that right we don't this woman had to think about that this is what she knew she had lost all of this but Jesus this is what she knew she knew about all of this death in her life but when Jesus showed up faith in Jesus is stronger than everything you know about your life and there are some of you sitting here today that you've all, just about all you've known is death. And I don't mean necessarily physical death, that you've had loved ones that have died. But you just know death. Things in your life have died. and Relationships have died. And, and, and uh, hope has died. And your future has died. Your career has died. Maybe your finances have died. Or that you've, you've experienced a lot of death. But the, and you know that this is what you know. And if you're not careful, you get so focused on that. And you can't know anything else. And you can't believe anything else. Let me, let me give you another story, and this was in Mark uh, chapter 5. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. And how can you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of Jesus and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Again, where were they at? They were in the street. They were in the 167. They weren't together with all the believers. They were out there on the street where this happened. And what did she know? What did she know? She knew she was sick and she wasn't getting better. As a matter of fact, it says she was getting worse. She was dying from this. She was getting weaker and weaker and she was dying. Maybe this wasn't what was going to kill her, but maybe some other disease that she would get. And her body was in such a weakened condition that she would not be able to fight it off. So she knew she was sick. She was getting weaker. She knew she was going to die. And she was broke. She knew she was broke. She looked, she looked uh, you know, in her pocketbook. She looked in her purse. She looked you know, in, in, in the place wherever she kept her money, and it was all gone because she had spent it on all of her medical bills. That's what she knew. But you know what she believed? Look what Jesus says at the end. Daughter, your faith is what has made you well. You know, it's almost like he could have said, hey, I know you know this, 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 but it's your faith that has made you well today. Somebody listen to that. See, all the stuff that we know about our lives and about how stuff is over and how it can never be and I'm just getting worse and I'm never going to get out of this and all of that. No, that's what you know. 
but what you believe today is what is more important and stronger and more powerful than even what you know. One, one more story, okay? And this, was, this is one that I've preached from a whole lot. Um, uh, Bartimaeus, and I sometimes call him Bart because I've preached on him so much, I think we're on a first-name basis, right? Mark chapter 10 says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed them. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Now, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Okay, you know the drill now, right? What did he know? Tell me what he knew. He knew he was blind and he would never see again. He would never hold a job. He would never have enough money. He would always be relying on somebody else's leftovers, right? If somebody had a little bit of money left, maybe they would throw a small coin in his cup. You know, if somebody had some dinner left, maybe they would give him some to eat. He was always going to be reliant on somebody else. He was never, ever going to have enough. And he knew that he was an embarrassment to the people of his village. They said, be quiet, be quiet. They, they wanted to put put uh, forward a, a very good example of who they were. They didn't want Jesus to see the riffraff, the, you know, those that were needy and those that were beggars out there. They didn't want Jesus to see that. So he, he was an embarrassment to him, and he knew that. But what did Jesus say? He said it's the same thing to him. He said it's your faith that is going to give you your sight back. And some of you today, listen, some of us, all of us today, at times we face things. We've all got stuff in our life. We've all got junk in our past. We've got stuff that we can't get over. We can't get, we can't get around. We can't get through. We can't let go of. We can't forgive ourselves. We can't forgive someone else. But you know all of that. But it's not important what you know. It's important what you believe. Because if you can believe, but you, see, here, here's the problem. Bring up that, that next slide. Here's the problem is what we know is often the enemy of what we believe. It, of, it often keeps you from believing what you really need to believe. All this stuff you know because I, there, there's no way. If you ever said that, there's no way that relationship will ever be reconciled. There's no way my children will ever come back to know Jesus Christ. There's no way I will ever be well again. There's no way I'll ever have peace again. Some of you have said those words and maybe... Maybe you followed it up with something else, but you said there's no way it could ever happen. And what you know is the enemy of what you're trying to believe. Now, there's something right here that maybe in a way doesn't feel like it fits in this sermon. I asked myself that question this week, but I said, no, it fits right here. You need to hear this. Is, uh, bring that up and we'll read it together. It's like what often happens in the family of God is that the strong gets stronger and the weak gets weaker. Now, that's not God's design, but that's what happens. It's because the people who are trying, they keep trying. And the people who aren't trying, they don't try anymore. And so the strong get stronger, the weak get weaker. And you can, in the same church, listen to the same sermons, you can have people that are getting stronger and stronger and those that are growing weaker and weaker. I used this one time to shame people into coming. The very first marriage 
event that we had at 2911 in our old building over on, um, on Mount Olive Road. The sanctuary is probably about, probably about a third of this, of this room. And, uh, and so we had uh, this marriage event coming up and we were, Deva and I, we were just like, we got to pour into our families. Our marriages are, you know, people are suffering, you know, and some of these are unchurched people and they just don't even know how to have a good marriage. And so people really hadn't signed up good yet. And it was the last Sunday before that Saturday when we we're going to have it. And so, and so, you know, I, I got up and as I was closing that day, I said, listen, now some of you think that you can't sign up for this because people will think if you come to it, you've got a bad marriage. The reality is this, is that the people that come to stuff like this are the people that are trying and they have the better marriages. So if you want people to think you have a bad marriage, then don't come to this thing, okay? Because then they'll know. And you know what? We packed that place out. Everybody was there. We, we could not have gotten another table in that room. Maybe a couple of more chairs, but we could not have gotten another table because people then were too embarrassed to stay home because they thought everybody would think, well, we have a bad marriage. You know, so I use that against them. But it's true. It's true. Just a few weeks ago. Uh, when Lexi was preaching, and she, uh, she shared uh, from Colossians, and, and she was sharing some context. And listen, I'm a, I'm a preacher. I love context. You know, not just, not just grabbing a verse out of, out of here or a verse there, but I love the context of like why God was saying this and why these people were doing this and why they needed to hear that. And, and she kind of shared just some different context, like actually a little deeper context. And while we, were sitting there, while we were sitting there, I was sitting in my little spot over here. And I was like, man, it just, it just lit a fire in me. I, I got hungry again. Now, listen, I, I, I had read Colossians. I, I don't know how many times I've read Colossians. It's only four chapters. Uh, I've preached Colossians. I've preached the whole, whole book at times in sermon series. So, so it, I, I wasn't hungry because I'd never heard that before. But I said, you know, I, I, was, in a, I was in a study, my personal study, not, not the study that I do for su- Sundays, but my personal study. I was in the book of Psalms, and I just, I just put a pause button on Psalms that day, and I spent the next week just digging into Colossians in light of the context of what God had Lexi share with us that day. And as I got toward the end, again, listen, I had read it so many times before, but as I got toward the end of that week, I got to thinking about that right there. And I thought, you know, I'm not reading this because I don't know this, because I've not heard it, because I've not read it, because I've not preached it, because somebody's never preached it to me. But you know what's happening is, is the one that got the fire lit is someone that, who has been in it over and over again. And the ones that need it the most probably didn't change a bit about their study that week. Didn't just make them step up and want to dig into Colossians at all. And if you did that week, if you thought the same thing, and you'd, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear you say, yeah, I did too, Pastor, after she said, I'd love to hear that. You know what I'd really love to hear? I'd love to hear that that happens to you on a regular basis. That something, something on the screen up there or something that is said or something in a song or, or something that, you, that just light a fire make you so hungry that it changes something about you even in your study time in that 167, just not, not just right here. So the reality is this, is that there are some people that are listening today and, they, and, I, and I'm tired of 101, Pastor. I'm ready to get on to the 200s and the 300s. For Let's get to some graduate work too, Pastor. But then there's some that you're still going to be at 101 next week and next week. Don't be those people. Please get your faith out of the classroom. Let it become alive to you every single minute of your life. And that's what, we're, that's what I'm wanting to preach to you in this, this sermon series these next few weeks. So really connect in here with me. Okay, here, and here's why. You know, you need to believe again. 
Some of you need to believe again. And I'm not saying you've left your faith, you've left your belief, but it got, maybe it did get a little flat. Maybe it did get a little boring. Maybe it did get a little mundane. But you need to believe again. Like Samson. Y'all know Samson? Only guy in history. Got a haircut and caused him to go blind, right? You know, and I used to hear kids tell, you know, Little boys tell their dads that, you know, I'm scared of getting a haircut, Dad, made Samson go blind, right? I'm, you know, he, he made, made a lot of mistakes. He lost his place with God. He lost his relationship with God. But in the end, he came back to what he knew. More importantly, he came back to the one he believed in. And when he did, because he did, his final victory was his greatest victory. Somebody needs to hear that. I don't know why, but I just felt, I just felt like a little quickening right there. Some of, some of you, you know it's over. You can't be or you can't do, but you need to hear this. Your final victory may, your, may be the biggest and the best one you ever fought. The next one you're about to fight may be the, may be the biggest one and the most important one of your life. You need to hear that. Or, or like Simon Peter, y'all know he messed up too, right? I mean, he was like one of Jesus' right-hand men, and then he denied he even knew him the night before he died. And why did he do it? Because he, was, because he was scared? Because of peer pressure? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He did. But he came back to his faith. He started believing again. And he became the most important figure for the, for, for the church in Jerusalem for a while because after Jesus left, he became that because he returned to his faith. But then there's also Mary. And I, I think this is the greatest example for us today is, you know, Mary, if you think about it, Mary knew before anybody else that she was going to give birth to the Son of God. She knew that. And then it was confirmed by Joseph, because Joseph heard from God. It was confirmed by Elizabeth, because Elizabeth heard from God. And then it was confirmed by those shepherds, because they were sent by angels. It was confirmed by the wise men, because they had studied and, and figured out from the prophecies. And then it, then, uh, it was confirmed also by uh, Simeon, the old guy at the temple. You know, when, when Jesus was just a few days old, they took him to the temple. And, then, and it was also confirmed there at the temple by Anna, the prophetess. And she prophesied, and, and she preached over Jesus there for just a moment. It was confirmed by all those people. And then when Jesus was 12 years old, he even reminded his mom that I've got to be about my father's business, my father in heaven, his business. And, and, and so she knew this and it said that, that she kept all this in her heart. But there came a day, there came a time, there came a moment. I, I, I don't know how long this, this was building. There came a time that she and, and her sons came to get Jesus and try to take him away and to, tell him he needed a vacation, okay? You need to step away from your ministry a little while because people are saying you're mad, that, you, that you're crazy, that, you know, you got a demon or something. And, and I don't know, it, you know, I, I don't want to characterize beyond what the scriptures say, but it's almost like she let some of that get inside of her. Like, may, maybe he does have problems. And so she was trying to, trying to pull him away and, and, to, and to get him away because she thought that there was something that wasn't right here. But you know where we find her at the end? She returned to her faith. In Acts chapter 1, the last time we hear of her, she's part of this new church that is being birthed by the Holy Spirit being poured out. She's part of that. Acts chapter 1, we see her there in prayer and fasting and seeking God before the power of God falls on the early church. We see her there. And how does this happen? How does the person who knew it first lose it? And here's what I believe happened. Is, uh, you know, we don't have anything about the life of Jesus from his birth until he is 12 years old. 
And in all that time, I meant, did anything supernatural happen? I, I don't know, maybe not. And if so, you know, things, was, things were just normal, right? She was just raising a boy that, yeah, he's supposed to be the son of God, but she's just raising a boy. And so she's raising this boy. And, and then after 12 years old, again, we don't hear anything about him until he's almost 30 years old. You know, then all of a sudden he starts doing his ministry. So maybe all these years, you know, the day-to-day, you know how daily life is, right? And just things just get normal. There begins to be a normalcy. There begins to be a familiarity. And if we're not careful, the normalcy and the familiarity, bring me that one right, the familiarity with the natural robs us of supernatural hope. And that's what's happened to a lot of us. We, we live this for an hour and 15 minutes, and, but we live that natural life for 167 other hours every week. And the day-to-day, natural, normal, normalcy of everything just robs us. So it's, we, we, we see and we see, we see so much, and, and what do we say? Seeing is believing, and we know it's not. But we see and we think and we feel, and, and, and we know all this stuff, and it robs us of the ability to believe anymore that he is truly a son of God that wants to work a miracle in my life today. Let me ask you a question. How many of you came here today saying, I need a miracle and I believe it is going to happen in this service? Don't raise your hand because wouldn't be many of you raise your hand today. Because we don't, we don't come that way anymore. We, we get so wrapped up in the normalcy and the natural and the everyday that we stop thinking about what really could be if we allow Jesus to be Jesus 168 hours of our week. Because believing is more important than knowing. Just as supernatural is more important, it's greater than natural. Now you probably would have agreed with that (laughs) at the beginning of this message. Supernatural is greater than natural, but maybe not that. But I hope you will agree now that what you believe is more important than what you know. What you believe in Jesus is more important than what you know about all this out here. There's a a great illustration uh, from Adrian Rogers. um, And um, I don't know if you know Adrian Rogers, but he uh, he was the leader of the Southern Baptist convention for years and uh, uh, pastored uh, from uh, Florida's where he was from, but then he pastored Bethel up in, in uh, Memphis. The church grew from like uh, three or 4,000 to uh, 20-something thousand, I believe, while he was there. And um, when, I, when I was a young pastor, I was listening to him so much because, you know, I was just, I was just trying to get more and more, you know, just getting deeper. And so I was listening to him. He, I, I ran across a, an old video clip of him. He passed away, I believe, in 2005 it was. He passed away. So he's been gone a few years now. But here recently, I ran across a clip of him preaching. And he gave this, this example, this illustration. This is not mine. This is his. And it's so great. Okay? And then he, and he, and he said this. He, he talked, about, talked about an airplane. Y'all, y'all ever seen an airplane? Anybody? Y'all have, right? You've been on an airplane? Have you, you ever get on an airplane for the first time and you, and you say, there's no way this thing's getting off the ground? You know, you ever, you ever think that? You ever been driving down I-65 going south and going through North Birmingham and you look up and you see a plane getting ready to land over there at the airport? You ever seen one like when you're driving there and, and it's like they're slowing down and, it's, and if your car's moving, sometimes it's hard to gauge exactly and it almost looks like the plane has stopped in midair. You know, and I've, I've many times I've seen those and I was like, it's going to fall. 
It is about to fall out of the air. A 747 is 200 tons of metals and plastics and rubber. There is no way that it can stay up there in the air. There's just no way possible. You see, and that's what we know. We know that, don't we? We know 200 tons cannot fly because of the law, not an ideal uh, or an idea, the law of gravity. Right? Anybody ever fallen down? You know, you ever been on a ladder and dropped something, you had to go down and get it? You know, anybody? anybody? So you're familiar with the law of gravity, right? If you've fallen on your face, you know the law of gravity. And the law of gravity says 200 tons of metal cannot fly. You know, and that's what we all believed, and we all didn't just believe it, we knew it. It just can't happen. You know, but a hundred and something years ago, some people figured out something else. There was another law that, that, that we didn't know about. It was there, but we just didn't know about it. It was there for millennia, and we didn't know about it. And that's the way this is sometimes. It's like, it's what we know. When we know, we get hung up on that, and we don't know what God also knows. There was this other law called the law of aerodynamics. And, you know, okay, you can explain it to me. I know, I've heard it, you know, something about you create a wing so that there's more air rushing underneath and over, and so what it does is it lifts it up. I don't care. You ever seen a wing? I mean, sitting there in your window seat in the airplane, you look out and you see that wing and you say, there is no way it can create enough aerodynamic pressure to lift it up off the ground. 200 tons. That wing, to me, that wing would have to be as big as, you know, Mount Rushmore or something to be able to create that. I don't understand it. What I'm saying is, I don't know that law. I know the law of gravity, but I don't know that law of aerodynamics. But the guys who believed in it, they started designing, uh, they started designing these wings and these aircrafts. And imagine, imagine the Wright brothers. They're building their, their aircraft, right? And people are coming by and say, what are you doing? Oh, we're going to create something that we can fly in. They say, that'll never fly. And they say, oh, yeah, here's how. And they start describing to people how it works. And they say, huh, it ain't ever going to happen. You know, because we know about gravity, but we don't understand there's something. And that's what happens is, is the law of aerodynamics is stronger than the law of gravity. We know gravity, but we don't understand the other, so we don't accept it, and we don't put our faith and our confidence in it. But if we just would, if we would just put our faith in God, if we would like set our wings in just the right way and allow his, his wind, the wind, if we would allow it to come underneath our wings, it would lift us out of all of that stuff that we say we can never get free of, we can never get out of, we can never get by. All that stuff that has died and we're, we feel like we're living in the graveyard of all the stuff in our life that has died and gone away and all the mistakes that we've made and all the, all the relationships that have died. If we would just allow God to be that wind he would come up under our wings, lift us up into places that we could never be if we focused only on the knowing, but by focusing on what we believe, he can do all that in us. <coughs> and he can bring healing. He can bring restoration. He can bring reconciliation. He can bring hope. He can bring joy. He can bring peace again. But this last, this last, oh, I've, yeah, the last, next to the last slide, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, we are bombarded daily with facts that are working against our peace, our hope, and our joy, and our faith. We're bombarded with this. But if we could just really get a hold of our faith, all 
of these things can come back, our peace, our hope, if we could get a hold of what we believe, if we could stop focusing on what we know about our past, we could start believing in what we know he can do about our future, if we could do that. And that sounds so easy, Pastor, but it's not, not that easy, is it? All right, so I want to give you some helps here. Brent, Brent mentioned yesterday, calling them homework, okay? Let me give you some homework. All right, some of you shut down when I said homework, right? We're going to make it really, this is really easy, okay? This is, this is easy homework, okay? Um, and, and listen, I, I, I wouldn't be a good high school teacher. I'd be a better uh, college professor, you know, like, hey, here it is, do it. Don't do it, I don't care. You know, plunk out, have to pay it for it again next, next semester, that's a fine with me, you know? Because that's, that's what you, I, I can't do it for you, okay? You've got to do this. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.